You are listening to Natural Born Okay, hold, hold up, hold up, hold up. Stop, stop, stop. <clears throat> I just want to say, if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash naturalbornalchemist. Get access to these episodes in advance and go behind the scenes with lots more cool content. Join us on Patreon. Okay, that's all. Uh, on with the show. You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 218 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. No guests in this episode. Instead, I'm going to report on my recent ayahuasca ceremony. So, uh, I did ayahuasca way, way back in 2010, I think it was. And then I did it again in 2012. And then I did it in 2014. And then I didn't do it for many, many years until recently. So two years break, then two years break. And then like almost five years break. Those previous times I did ayahuasca, I did many ceremonies in a short span of time. So like seven ceremonies in two weeks. But the one I did recently was just one, 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 one single ceremony. And I did it with a friend and I told him that now at the end of the ceremony, I told him that, okay, so we had two, because he's been with me on all of them, uh, two years break and then two years break and then five years break. Now we'll have 25 years break. And then uh, when I do the next ceremony after that we'll have a hundred years break so the breaks between the ayahuasca ceremonies is kind of like exponential growth just increases with each ceremony <laughs> I mean those people who do it like weekly all year round man unless you're training to be a shaman like what the fuck are you doing I'm thinking I'm with Alan Watts Alan Watts said something along the lines of if the phone rings and you pick up and you get the message, hang up the goddamn phone. Hang up the phone. If you got the message, hang up the phone. This one I did recently was my 20th ayahuasca ceremony. But it was really my fourth time. Because the first time I did it in the Amazon, I did five. The second time I did it in the Amazon, I did seven. And then seven, which makes which becomes 19. And then I did one now. 20 and this last one I did the 20th I did in Holland in a small outside a small medieval town called Supten Supten something like that beautiful town and I, I will never do ayahuasca if there isn't any Shipibo or maybe I haven't sat with them but uh, the Kichwa people or it has to be a, an indigenous uh, ayahuasquero or curandero maestra, maestro that's singing Icaros or similar songs or that are ma- th- like that kind of shaman it has to be present I'm not doing it otherwise that's just how I roll 
And um, having a baby, it's difficult to go to the rainforest and do a ceremony. And most places where you can go to do a ceremony, they don't take children. So as luck would have it, I was talking to this guy who's making a documentary on the Shipibo culture. Uh, he was in an episode recently. It was episode 209, Onanya, he was called. Um, talking to him, uh, I found out that the, for me, the most important maestra, or shaman if you will, that I've ever sat in ceremony with, Mama Rosa, was coming to Holland uh, to do uh, some ceremonies there. And she... Um, She's very old, and I, I was I was afraid I would never see her again before she died. And uh, a year ago or so, I talked about Maestra Maria. She died of old age. I also talked in the past about Maestra Olivia. She was kind of like the Maestra's Maestra. She was a very good uh, curandero, or I was scared of a shaman. And uh, but she was murdered, unfortunately, by big oil companies because she was trying to protect the rainforest from uh, being, you know, cut down to extract oil. So somebody murdered her. Anyway, that's another story. I talked about it in the past. Um, my whole point is that I had a chance now to meet Mama Rosa again, at least in this life, one last time, and. Um, she was there when I did my first ever ceremonies. And uh, she is called Mama Rosa. But for me, she is also Mama Rosa. She's my spiritual mother in a sense. And she has saved me more than one occasion. But one occasion in particular, she's, she saved me from... Uh, from going completely insane. <laughs> she's a master. Um, she is a master. That's why she's called a maestra. And she has the most beautiful Icaro songs. Man, when she sings, you know, I mean, I can't, I always cry. How, how can you not cry? Her songs are so goddamn beautiful. Uh, at least to me. They're wonderful. Anyway, she came to, to Holland and she brought with her another great, great maestro, Jorge, also called the bear. He's a big guy. And she also had her son, Maestro Feliciano, with her. So there were three Shipibo healers. They didn't, because the chakruna, you need so much chakruna leaves when you make ayahuasca, because you make you take ayahuasca vine and chakruna leaves that contain the DMT and you make a mix. But you need uh, such a big quantity of chakruna leaves, so it's not really feasible to get hold of that much in Holland. So what they did was they used another leaf, which I forgot the name of now, but that you don't need as much of. And they made the ayahuasca brew that way. And this other leaf is also used in the Amazon. So, and they've been used in the past, although the chakruna leaf is the most standard way to make it. Anyway, it made the ayahuasca taste a bit different, but it still tasted like shit. 
and it was funny because uh, Jorge, the bear, the big guy, when he drank the ayahuasca, he just took this, just took the bottle and just drank straight from the bottle, man, like fucking hardcore. I don't know why he could do that, man. <laughs> like, oh, I was shivering just thinking about drinking it. I did uh, two failed LSD ceremonies on my own. And I didn't have a good experience. It wasn't a scary experience. It was just like, meh. I don't know. I, I didn't enjoy it. And I didn't want those experiences to be my last experiences. I wanted to have a nicer experience. So, uh, And also, I wanted proof because five years is a long time. So I wanted proof that... Well, I wanted to remember that the f- ayahuasca felt didn't feel like the LSD because the LSD felt strange it's it felt fake inside me so uh, the ayahuasca didn't feel like that it felt more natural inside me and it made me stretch and yawn and it's you know made me feel nauseous as well which is normal and I think I drank the biggest glass I've ever drank of ayahuasca and the guy who was pouring it, he said he was strong. Like I said, is this stronger than average? And he said, yes. So I said, okay, well, fuck it then. Just give me <laughs> just give me a big glass. I'll regret it later. Um, and I drank it. I was the first to drink. And there was 14 people there. Three shamans, one facilitator, and like two helpers. And... Uh, It was strange. It's very hard to explain. It was, you know, it wasn't, it didn't feel strong at all. And I was praying, you know, I was praying. I said, please take it easy on me. Please be gentle. You know, take it easy. I don't, I, I'm, I've seen, I've seen enough. I'm tired. I just want a nice, calm, gentle ride. Show me what I need to know. Teach me. I surrender. But please be gentle. Don't like put me in a washing machine. I've been there before. I don't want to be there again. And um, I, I was f- afraid to drink uh, the ayahuasca. Uh, only a psychopath would not be afraid, I think. Uh, so <laughs> this place where we drank at... They said you're supposed to do the ayahuasca diet for like three days before. And one of the facilitators, when I arrived, she was like eating salty snacks. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, no salt. I mean, I follow the diet. Because there's, there's different kinds of diets. You have the touristy, light version ayahuasca diet. Then you have the bit stricter diet. Then you have the, then you have the hardcore you know, training to be a shaman diet. I was doing that diet. I was like really strict. There were days when I all I was eating was water and carrots. You know, so I dropped a lot of weight. I was following the diet really strict because I knew that if I sat in ceremony and had and had doubt that I followed diet properly. The ayahuasca would rape my mind. It, it would punish me. So I, I was pretty confident sitting in that ceremony knowing like, well, 
you can do whatever you want to me, but you cannot give me a trashing over not following the diet because that I have locked down. Uh, and I think that's what saved me. Because this ayahuasca ceremony was really crazy. It was a very crazy night. And it was crazy also in the sense that it was crazy, but it was also, from my perspective, very calm. So it's uh, telling you about this ceremony is going to be sound contradictory because two things were happening at the same time. Calm and chaos. And... Uh, The best way for me to give an allegory of what the whole ceremony was like is if you imagine a stormy sea like the Atlantic Ocean or the Pacific. It's stormy at night, stormy black sea. And you're standing, or I was standing, on a surfboard. And if... I fell off that surfboard into the water. That basically means that I drown. I lose my mind. I fall in I fall into the waves of my own monkey mind consciousness. And um I managed to stay on that board afloat for 6 7 hours. I never fell off. I was close a few, few times. I almost lost my balance, but I managed to stay on that surfboard and not fall off. Uh, because around me, during the whole night, everybody was falling into the water. <laughs> everybody was losing their goddamn minds. I managed to stay afloat. And I remember I was thinking or saying aloud even, thank God... I'm not in somebody else's shoes. <laughs> and um, I need to backtrack a bit. I'm getting ahead of myself. And I'm sorry if I'm boring you. But um, I kind of need to tell this story. Uh, even if it's only to satisfy my own brain. Because by telling it. I'm also processing it in a way. It might not mean as much to you listening. As it does for me telling you the story. I have a, a, a deep connection with Mama Rosa. I didn't know if she was going to remember me because it was like five. No, she wasn't there last time also. So I hadn't seen her in seven years. So it was a long time. So I, I had a photo of me and her with me where I'd written 2012 on it. So when we arrived, uh, I already knew because I, somebody else did the ceremony the night before. I did mine that I knew. So, so that I was told... How the, what the setup was like and she's so old by now that she can't do what a sh what those shamans normally do they go, they crawl around to each individual and they sing to them and she didn't do that she just sat on the her own mat the whole night singing from there so i made sure when i arrived that my mat my my mattress was the one closest to hers. So I picked the one quickly right next to hers. So when she was singing, she'll be very close to me. Uh, so I did that. And when I arrived and I sat on my mat waiting for the ceremony to begin, she sat down on the mat next to me and put out her uh, artwork and 
you know, because the, they had a little market before the ceremony because they have beautiful artwork and I bought this beautiful blanket. So I don't know <coughs> where I'm going to put it, but because I have more blankets than walls in my house and I, I don't know where I'm going to put it, but it, it was beautiful. And uh, I, as soon as she, she, when she showed it to me, I said, that's it. It's mine. I bought it. Not everybody was doing one ceremony like I did. Some of them were doing many. And they said like, oh, you got that blanket. Everybody had, had kept an eye on it. It was ex- it was like, expensive. So that's why nobody had bought it. And I just, um, baller as I am, I just bought it. <laughs> but uh, it, it was worth every penny. Expensive because uh, you might not... Sh- sh- I put it on Instagram, but you might not see it in a photo. But it's actually... Like, a lot of hours went into making that. It's a really, really high-quality piece of art. Anyway, when I bought it, the angel, she she took out a bracelet she made and put it on my arm because uh, they're very generous. I also bought some pusanga, this, uh, like, I don't know, smelly water that you use during ceremony to if the if it gets tough you can smell it and helps you I also bought that uh, uh, from Jorge and he was breathing and blessing the liquid before he gave it to me like <laughs> like that like blowing into it anyway <clears throat> she gave me the bracelet so I, she put the bracelet on me and Rosa has always been a motherly figure and she always represented love for me. And one time in Peru, when I was really, when you know, when I had a death experience where I, I was actually thought I had died and she came to my bed and just, oh, it was wonderful. She just put her hands on my head and put my head in her lap and just sang to me and, oh, so a beautiful experience. Anyway, she gave me this bracelet. And, and then before the ceremony began, the facilitator, the guy who, you know, took these three shipibos from Peru to Holland, they're like travel agent, I guess you could say, but also a facilitator of ceremonies. He said that, uh, you know, don't forget to concentrate. And whatever he meant, I don't know, but I remembered he said concentrate. So... I told you this thing about trying to stay afloat, trying to remain focused. Because the thing with me is I have a big monkey mind. And monkey mind and ayahuasca do not go well together. Because if you start thinking, questioning, using your brain too much when you do ayahuasca, you will go insane. You will go insane. That's my experience. What you got to do is you got to just be you got to experience, you got to surrender, you got to think with your heart, you got to feel. That's how you get the most out of it. If you start thinking, man, you're fucked. So, there were many times when I lost my balance and almost fell into the water, almost fell off the surfboard. And at those times, concentrate remembering that he said concentrate and also the bracelet I just felt I just held the bracelet and for some reason it felt like <laughs> I don't know 
almost crying talking about this is hard to it doesn't it might not sound emotional to anybody listening uh, but just ho- holding the bracelet she gave me uh, meant so much to me that you know it helped me concentrate and anyway I kept my eyes open also because I I just I don't need to see anymore you know and I, I know from in the past when I've done ayahuasca uh, it doesn't matter if I keep my eyes open or closed I mean this the vision the visions are so strong that they just take over it doesn't matter but this time uh, I didn't see anything there was no visuals when I had my eyes open if I closed my eyes they would come I was just too, I'm just tired I don't want I don't need to see anymore you know, I've seen enough, uh, so I just kept my eyes open. You're still in the mood. You're still in the experience. It's it's very hard if you haven't done it. Ayahuasca. It's hard to explain it, but you're still in it. You just I was just spared the crazy visuals, and I was just enjoying the singing, the shaman singing that, and I almost felt normal, you know. And I thought, well, um. You know, ah, well, the ceremony is over. I don't even feel like I need to purge anything. I don't need to puke. And, you know, I felt fine. And I thought, oh, okay, well, it was a nice little ceremony. So maybe go to bed soon. Or, And then I realized it's only been like 15 minutes. <laughs> it hasn't even started yet. I was like ahead of myself. And I kept focused on this thing. Like, don't think. Just, just feel. Heart. Corazon. Corazon. Heart. Heart. And... Um, I did have this visionary experience where I could actually visually see my thoughts and see my different personalities, my different identities, my different egos, and I could just see them melt away. And I could see how they were nothing. When I was in this concentrated, loving state of pure awareness and love, ego and those identities and masks just like dissolved so that was quite powerful thing and uh, anyway the shamans usually sit at the where you have your head like at the end of the beds and sing and I knew that Mama Rosa wasn't gonna walk around that much because she's old and frail so I was laying down and uh, because I just could not physically sit up even though I tried. And suddenly I noticed that she'd slid across the floor to the, not where the head on the bed is, but on the side. Like she kind of like slid to me on the side. And I felt such gratitude that she would come and sing for me. It 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 felt like she came to me. I don't know if this is true, if I'm projecting or not, but it felt like she came to sing to me. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm almost crying. Uh-huh.
<coughs> shit. Oh, it felt it felt like she came and sang to me, and it was. It was so beautiful. <sighs> to me, it meant a lot. I can't even tell you describe it. I mean, she's just a an old, old shaman woman. She's not a a saint or a Buddha or a Jesus or something like that. She's just a normal person. She just like she's just a healer. She's just a facilitator of ayahuasca, singing, singing you towards healing. That's all she does. But it felt like, I mean. I understand what it would have felt like to have been touched by a saint. Even though she's maybe not a saint, but that's how it felt. That it. Uh, I felt like she. You know, when she sang to me in those ceremonies back in 2010, 2012. She was singing to another kind of human being. Because who I was back then is not who I am now. So it felt like she was coming to me not to heal me or sing because I needed healing. Because in a sense, out of those 14 people in that room, I was the one who needed the least amount of healing. I, I felt fine, you know. I don't need, I mean, I'm not perfect, I always need work, I feel that I'm healed enough that I can heal the rest from my, on my own, if, you, if that makes sense, I don't need any more help, and it felt like, when she came and sang to me, it felt like she was like, it was like a graduation party, <laughs> She was like singing like, okay, this is the last time I'm going to sing for you. Which is also true because I don't imagine I'll see her again. Uh, unless she becomes really old. And uh, this is my farewell song for you and good luck. That's why it was so emotional. And man, she, her song was so beautiful. So, so beautiful. Um, and I also remember at another point I was crying because I was thinking about my family, my baby, all I want in my life. I just want to be home with my family. You know, that's all, that's all I want, really. I mean, everything else that I want is its not that important. I mean, who gives a fuck? And this phrase, who gives a fuck? There, was, there were many themes to this ceremony. But the phrase, who gives a fuck, was one of the main themes. Because I said it many times during the whole night. Who gives a fuck? And it's a... Who gives a fuck is a positive thing. 
it's a positive philosophy of life. You know, like you can use it. You know, like. Uh, oh shit! I'm late for work. Ah, who gives a fuck? Uh, I got a parking ticket. Ah, who gives a fuck? Did you know that this guy thinks you're an idiot? <laughs> Who gives a fuck? You know... My family... Meaning my... My child and her mother... And my cats... My close family... Uh, I give a fuck about them. But everything else... I mean, who gives a fuck? I mean... I mean nothing there are there are no problems really I mean sure if there's a war and you know I don't know Russia invades where I live <laughs> uh yeah that's a problem and uh but I mean who gives a fuck if Russia wants to invade my country it's not my country but where I'm living I mean if they want to waste their energy doing that and well gives a fuck let them do it i'm gonna try and escape with my family but uh, why should i like be concerned about it it's really hard to explain what i'm trying to say i hope you understand but you know if you don't understand <laughs> who gives a fuck anyway <coughs> to get back to the linear description of this ceremony so now I've gone through the emotional bit. I even cried. Is this the first time I cried on this podcast? Uh, I think it is. I might have done it in the past when I talked about my stillborn daughter. I don't know. But um, now we enter phase two of this ceremony. And uh, I was next to my friend who was... Also, this is typical ayahuasca. Because what he said right before he drank was... Because I said something about... Because the buckets were big or something. So I said, oh, I hope... These buckets are big. I hope you can puke in them easily. Or I, I, I commented on the buckets. I can't remember what I said. And he said... Oh, it doesn't matter because I never puke. Uh, and I always puke. I always perch. Uh, through my mouth uh, during uh, ayahuasca ceremonies but he never does well he has done but very rarely so he said that and guess what he puked for four to five hours straight that's all he did puked he puked he puked and he thinks he's the fire starter he thinks he's the guy who initiated the craziness (laughs) that was this ceremony because Imagine like you just taking ayahuasca, you just got into that world, you're trying to get your bearings, and then suddenly you hear this noise. <laughs> I can't even do it, but I mean <laughs> I mean he didn't only he didn't just puke. I mean he like fucking hurled his guts out. So that's uh, that's why he thinks that's why he thinks that he like triggered everybody except me because I was fine. I was on my surfboard. Now we get to uh, the scary bit, this this freaky bit. 
Actually, it gives me the creeps to just talk about this. But there was a guy who wore a T-shirt that said, "I saw. I can't see it in the dark, so I saw it before the ceremony began." He, he said, "He said it said uh, only good vibes, which should have been a warning sign straight away." Anyway, he was not next to me, thank God, but he was further away from me in this circle, this ceremony. And after about an hour into the ceremony, he screamed. And it wasn't like he just screamed, like... He screamed in a way that just puts goosebumps all over my body just thinking about it. It was this kind of scream where... Like... You know, imagine you're asleep at home. You're alone. You hear a noise. You get up. It's the middle of the night. You go into the kitchen. Suddenly somebody grabs you from behind and holds you so you can't move. And at the same moment, a monster, a terrifying evil monster just jumps out of the cupboards and just like scares the living shit out of you. Uh, the how you would scream in that moment, that's how it sounded like. It wasn't like an angry scream, like, ah! It wasn't like a sad scream, like, ah! It was like, a, it was like, a, oh my God, I'm losing my mind kind of scream. I'm going to try and imitate it right now, but I won't do it justice. <laughs> it was so loud also. It was extreme. I can't scream this loud. I mean, I don't, he should be an opera singer. That's how loud he screamed. Even the shamans who were singing, like they were singing like, and they like stopped singing and looked over and then they continued singing. So it even freaked them out. It maybe not freaked them out, but it made them jump, you know, like what the hell? And the facilitators, the sitters, they like ran over to him and like, had they had to hold him down because apparently he was trying to get up and run around. I don't know what he was doing. And he screamed for a long time. So it sounded like this. <coughs> I hope I don't ruin my voice now, but this is what it sounded like. I won't do it into the mic, so I'll do it away from the mic. So it sounded something like, imagine you're laying there. Maybe you had a good cry. You're listening to the Icarus. Mm, the mood is getting nice. You feel a bit nauseous, but it's fine. You're on the surfboard and suddenly you hear this. Imagine. And uh, 10 minutes passed, and then he did it again in a different kind of pitch. Then maybe 20 minutes passed, and then he did it again. And I think he also, like, at one point he did this kind of noise. No, 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 There was one guy in the ceremony who said before the ceremony began that he had never done it before. So it was his first time. And I remember thinking like, God damn it. Imagine doing ayahuasca the first time. And you have a guy like that next to you. Screaming. No, 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 no. Man, that would have freaked me out. And I really had to stay on my surfboard. I, I grabbed my bracelet I got from Rosa. I thought about concentrating. The heart. Focus. Don't think. Just stay floating. 
don't listen to this fucking lunatic screaming because he has fallen straight into the chaos of the abyss of the ayahuasca of the monkey mind he is in a place where I've been many years ago I didn't go as far as screaming but I know exactly where he was and I kept saying to myself thank fucking god I'm not in his shoes thank fuck I'm not in his shoes and he was trashing around and they had to hold him down and he was man I almost get adrenaline thinking about it. Anyway, I said that Rosa was she sang to me. And then she went to my friend uh, next to me and sang to him because uh, we we've done all every ayahuasca ceremony together. And I thought, well, maybe she didn't just sing to me. Maybe she's going to sing to everybody. Uh but then she After my friend, she went straight to this guy who was screaming. Straight. She skipped like four four or five people. So she wasn't singing to everybody. She just sang to me and my friend like she knew us from the past. And then she went straight to this guy who was losing his fucking mind. And uh, for a moment I was like... I didn't think it, the ayahuasca was that strong. I, I, it felt... It, it was nice. It was weak. I I felt almost normal. You know, the sea was choppy, but, you know, I was doing fine. And I almost got bored. I was like, oh, what should I... Maybe I should go take a piss, you know, go to the toilet. That's always fun. You know, it's always nice to... During the ceremony at one point, just go to the toilet. It's fun to, you know, wobble your way to the toilet, have a piss... Just see a different environment and then go back. And it's so nice when you... Because it feels like you've been on a long trek. It's so nice to go back to your bed and just lie down. And it feels like you've accomplished something. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll just go to the toilet. So I, st- and I think at this point, I was about an hour into the ceremony. So I was at the one hour mark. Or maybe 90 minutes. Not longer. And I stood up. And as soon as I stood up... I lost I I could not stand up. I didn't I lost where I was. I didn't know what was left or right and I just fell to the floor. While I was sitting or laying down on my mat, it didn't feel strong. I didn't have much visuals. I was in the ayahuasca realms, hard to explain, but I was there and I did get into it. But it felt weak, but as soon as I stood up, it was like really overpowering. And I was, it caught me by surprise and I just fell to the floor and it kind of shocked me, you know, because, you know, it can be shocking to fall. And But the sitters, they were really quick. So as soon as I fell, they picked me up, two of them, and they knew that I was heading for the toilet. So they just picked me up and kind of dragged me, half standing, out the door towards where the toilets were. And... The very ex- the very moment, because when they grabbed me, because when they grabbed me, that was also a shock. Like two people come and grab you. It's like, oh, I just fell down and now somebody's grabbing me. Every- everything, you know, pe- when people do something fast, when you're in the psychedelic realm, it's like very like intense. And 
also changing environment is very tense. Like if you're in one, if you're in like, let's say you're in your bedroom and you walk into the kitchen and you've taken a high dose of psychedelics, it will affect your experience changing location. It can be very intense. So imagine that I've fallen down. I got jumped by these two people who grabbed me and lifted me up. They dragged me out into the next room. So all of that in on its own was quite intense. But what what made it even more intense was at the, exactly at the same moment when all this happened, this happened. That guy who was losing his mind, when all that was happening to me, he did this. <laughs> Which made me like, when they dragged me to the toilet, it felt like they were grabbing me and fleeing from a monster or something. I was like, and they got me to the toilet and I was, you know, it took me about 40 minutes sitting on the toilet just to calm down from the experience, from that experience. It might not sound like a big thing listening to it now, but goddamn, when you were in it, it was very, very intense. And sitting on the toilet, ironically, I noticed that was, didn't feel like I needed... I mean, I only went to the toilet because I had nothing better to do. So I didn't really need to take a leak. But when I was sitting on the toilet, I got another ex- perspective of what was going on in the ceremony room. And I could hear that uh, guy who was losing his mind screaming and trashing around. And it sounded like he was wrecking the place. And It didn't feel like I wanted to go back there because if I was in the same room as him and he was screaming like that, you know, I would fall off the surfboard I would lose my mind so I was like fuck that I'm staying in the toilet and uh, I couldn't even sit up that was hard so I just lay down on the toilet floor and when you're deep in ayahuasca ceremony you don't care I mean I could have been laying in somebody's piss I don't give a who gives a fuck like I said before who gives a fuck and after being there for a while, uh, the, the facilitators or a sitter or something came and asked if I was fine and that. And I said, yeah, I just can't move. And they gave me a blanket. And I lay there on the toilet floor for an hour. And uh, then they came and tried to convince me to go, go back to my bed. And I said, like, look, that guy really freaked me out, man. I, I can't go back there. I mean, uh, unless he comes down or you put him in another room. I'm fucking staying right here. So they they left me there and I I was there for a long time. And after a while, uh, Jorge came because he came to my bed and I wasn't there. So he went to the toilet because they told him I was there. So he, he sang to me in the toilet, which that's never happened to me before. And it was quite nice. And he rubbed something on my face and chest. I was burned. It felt really nice. So he came and healed me there in the toilet, which was nice. And then I laid continued to lay in the toilet for a while the shamans finished their work and they went to bed or whatever they did and um, because there were only three shamans people were still tripping so they put on some it was very nice music I don't know what kind of music it was but it was very down to earth acoustic like sounded a bit like world music like modern instruments but also like African instruments and it it, it was nice music I, I won't complain and uh, I also puked in the, t- in the toilet. Uh, 
and uh, knocked over my puke bowl and <laughs> I crawled so I, away from that so I was laying a bit outside the toilet and and right next to the toilet was also the door because normally in Peru they smoke mapacho as part of the ceremony but because this was in Holland and it was inside they couldn't really smoke there so the shamans they went outside to smoke and I was also right next to the door so they were smoking and the facilitators were going there smoking mapacho on their little mini breaks so and I was laying there on the floor and they were like talking to me sometimes and I was like I said to one of them, I said, like, thank God I'm not in that guy's shoes, man. And and the guy said that, uh, well, sometimes it's good to lose your mind. And I was like, yeah, that might be true, but thank God I'm not in his fucking shoes, man. Thank fucking God. Anyway, eventually, everything calmed down, and uh, I told them, like, okay, I can't get up. I can't walk. I mean... I feel fine in my mind, but physically I just can't walk. So they helped, they carried me to my bed. And my friend who was puking for four or five hours, he apparently was sitting on my bed. He sat on his bed. He, he had moved around a lot and he was puking so much. And this guy who was losing his mind, he was keeping the sitters so busy that nobody had time to help my friend who was puking so much. So one of the people who sat in ceremony that maybe didn't have such a rough ride, he was helping him. And they later, the next day, commented it was very nice that everybody was trying to help each other. So that was nice. And I kind of wish I'd seen that, but I was in the toilet. And anyway, my friend, he thought that the ayahuasca hadn't affected me at all because he thought I sat in the corner not feeling anything. And it was at that point he saw me be carried into the room and placed on my mattress. And that's when he realized, oh, fuck, uh, this Alex is <laughs> tripping balls. <laughs> and uh, I'd be... <laughs> I, I just wanted to go to the toilet just, you know, because I was bored and I didn't have anything better to do. And I just wanted to go to the toilet, take a piss and get back and lie down. And um, that took that took about three hours. <laughs> it took about three three hours to do that. Maybe even four. Could be four. Three hours for sure. Possibly four. And then I laid uh, on in the bed there, and eventually, like the ceremony was finished. They turned the lights on even. People got up and ate some food. and People were running around and I was still deep into it. I mean, not visually, just physically. I was still tripping. And I was like, fuck, man. People sit down, relax, man. People were running around and everything. It was like chaos. And finally, they turned the lights off. And finally, everybody went to bed and I fell asleep. And I, I didn't feel normal until I woke up the next day. So I, I drank... I was the first to drink and I was the last to come down. So it lasted like seven, eight hours for me. So it was strong. It was strong, but visually it was quite weak. And and it wasn't that eventful in the sense. Like I had to cry about my family. It was very nice, loving feelings. I had that special moment with Mama Rosa. I had this thing about staying focused and staying on the surfboard and trying to be in this awareness 
and um, you know, who gives a fuck, you know? Don't worry so much, much. And basically, also, uh, which I haven't talked about, is that everything the ayahuasca, all the wisdom I've got from the ayahuasca, it wasn't that it repeated it to me. It basically, it was more like it said, or maybe I said it to myself, I don't know, but it said like, hey man, you know what you need to do. I don't need to tell you anymore. Just fucking do it. So, um, so yeah, that it's a wrap. That's a fucking wrap. Uh, I might drink ayahuasca again, but I, hi- I highly doubt it. I mean, the stars have to align, you know. I can see it in ceremony, not drink it. Maybe take a teaspoon or something, but I, I don't mind going to the Amazon. I don't mind sitting in ceremony. I just don't feel I need to drink because the work I have to do now for the next 10 years, I, will, I know what I have to do. I don't need any ayahuasca or anything else to tell me what to do. I might take a talk of DMT at some point, but, you know, I don't need it anymore. I feel that my psychedelic work is finished. And in a sense, it also just started. Because the message I needed to hear, the message has been delivered to me. The message I needed to hear. So, you know, that's all I need. I don't need... I picked up the phone. I got the message. Now, with this ceremony, I I hung up the phone... That's a fucking rap. Physically, that's a fucking rap. The rest of the work I can do on my own. I know what I need to do. I'm not perfect. I'm not fully healed. But the the healing that I need to do and the work I still need to do, I can do it on my own. If there ever comes a point in the future when I can't do it on my own, guess what? I'm kneeling to the plants. I turn to them again. But until that day, if it's in 10 years or in or never, until then, you know, I'm done. It's a wrap. Doesn't mean it's a wrap for you listening. Everybody's journey is different. But for me, I'm going to continue talking about psychedelics. I'm going to continue thinking about ayahuasca. I'm going to continue working with ayahuasca. But I'm not going to drink it. You know. I don't need to. Some people might need to drink every day for the rest of their lives. I don't know. I can't judge anybody. But for me, that's a fucking rap. <laughs> yeah. I hope you enjoyed that a little report of my ayahuasca ceremony that I recently had. I got nothing more to say. I hope it wasn't too boring to listen to. Here's Mama Rosa. I gotta play it. Uh, It's from an album that you should buy. That uh, you can find in the program notes. A link to where to buy it. It's a beautiful album of Icaros. And uh, yeah. There's no other way I can end this episode. Just, you know... I don't know if what experience you have with Icaros, if you like them or not, 
but if you have a connection with them. Maybe you don't. Maybe you can't enjoy them as I do unless you've sat in ceremony with the Shipibo, hearing them sing them to you. Maybe, it, you, maybe you have to do that to understand them fully. But uh, regardless of your experience, just give it a chance. Just quiet your mind. Just listen to Mama Rosa. And it reminds me, her song reminds me of this Rumi saying where he goes like... Her song, uh, her songs kind of remind me of this Rumi poem, uh, Love Dogs, where this guy was uh, screaming for God. And uh, this cynic came by and he said like, oh, I hear you calling for Allah, but uh, have you ever gotten a response? And the man, he didn't, couldn't answer that. So he stopped praying and he fell into a confused sleep, you know, kind of like he got depressed. And then he, he had a dream and uh, some angel or something said like, why did you stop praying? And he said, well, this cynic pointed out that I never got a response. So what's the point of praying for Allah if I don't hear anything back? And, and this angel said, uh, this longing you express is the return message. The grief you cry out from draws you towards union. Your pure sadness is the secret cup. Listen to the moan of a dog for its master. That whining is the connection. And Mamarosa's Icaros, they have this sadness. They have this yearning, this longing, this beauty. It reminds me of this Rumi poem because it's like her song is the connection to the divine mystery. And, you know, what more can you ask for? Freedom is in the mind.
Mm-hmm.